Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Not Defined by Endo. I am so privileged today to be speaking to Dr. Olajuwon Alabi. For those of you who don't already know, I am a Nigerian and my heart has always desired to reach endometriosis sufferers in my home country. Dr. Juwon is a consultant gynecologist and obstetrician and the founder and medical director of South Shore Women's and Children's Hospital in Lagos, Nigeria. South Shore is run both in Victoria Island and GRA Ikeja in Lagos. Dr. Juwon trained in Nigeria and also in Manchester and Leeds in the United Kingdom. He was trained in minimal access surgery and developed interest in this subspecialty and there got involved in a lot of endometriosis cases. On his return to Nigeria, he realized the skills gap in laparoscopic surgery and decided in 2012 to start South Shore, which focuses predominantly on women's health. One of their specialties is the treatment of fibroids and endometriosis. He is an excision specialist and today I'm excited to talk about what it is like treating endometriosis patients in Nigeria. We discuss the challenges and we receive golden advice from Dr. Juan on dealing with this disease. Remember that I am not a healthcare professional. So whatever I share on this podcast is to inspire and empower you to take control of your health and your bodies. Please always speak to your healthcare professional before making any major changes to your diet or lifestyle. With that said, let's get right to it. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for agreeing to come on this show and speaking to me about endometriosis, especially as it relates to you being in Nigeria. So I appreciate it so much. Thank you very much. So I want to start with a quick introduction about yourself. Is it possible for you to tell me and the audience a bit about yeah. who you are and what you okay. do. Yeah. Okay. So my name is uh, Olajuwon Alabi. I'm a uh, consultant gynecologist and obstetrician. I'm the founder and medical director of South Shore Women's and Children's Hospital in Lagos, Nigeria. We run um, from Victoria Island, Lagos, and we also run in Ikeja GRA. So about myself, well, um, I went to medical school in Nigeria and then immediately after medical school, I traveled to the UK to have my postgraduate training. So I train around, I train around Manchester and, and Leeds. So now during my training, I was lucky to be able to have gone through something called laparoscopic training. So laparoscopic training means minimal access surgery. That you don't cut people, you use tiny cameras to look inside the womb. So I developed a lot of interest in that and I went through training for that. And then obviously came across a lot of endometriosis through that. So in 2010, I, after completing my training and working a while in the UK, I decided that, so I came to Nigeria for some visits. And then I realized that uh, they don't have a lot of people doing um, what I do in the UK, which is keyhole surgery. So I felt, you know, it's an opportunity. I mean, when I was going to the UK, I felt, I always felt I was going to come back. I didn't intend to stay. So I decided to come back. So, and then I worked in a few hospitals and then in 2012 decided to start South Shore. 
So Salshaw is dedicated to women's health, and one of our strong areas is treating fibroids and endometriosis. Now, I mean, Black people are well known to have fibroids, but I think there was a time a lot of people thought that endometriosis does not affect Black people, especially in Nigeria. But I can understand that because part of the infrastructural problem we have in Nigeria is that a lot of people don't, a lot of hospitals don't do laparoscopy. So because of that, they cannot diagnose endometriosis. So they feel, they think that they don't have a lot of patients. That, but, but that is changing. I think the concept of that is changing. So yeah, I work in Lagos and I treat a lot of people with endometriosis. Amazing. Thank you very much for that. So I have probably discussed this like, you know, a million times on my on my um, podcast, but you I love that you said that one of the issues that uh, maybe causes people not to be diagnosed as much is because there's not a lot of um keyhole surgery being done, um, which is very vital because we know that that's one of the like, almost like the gold standard of uh, diagnosis is doing a keyhole surgery. So I want to ask a question about symptoms of endometriosis. For people who might have this, like might have endometriosis, what are the symptoms that indicate that this could be endometriosis and then they should push for, you know, maybe some kinds of intervention or some kind of diagnosis for endometriosis? Okay, so the first thing is that there are lots of people that are asymptomatic. They don't know that they have endometriosis, okay? Maybe they just have a routine scan and then the doctors see that their pelvis doesn't look right. So there are people like that. But some other group will have symptoms. So there are common symptoms of endometriosis, but there are also symptoms that are not very common. So let's start. One of the major problems with endometriosis is that it's not diagnosed early because if a young woman or a young girl start having periods and then they start saying my period is painful, a lot of people just assume that, well, it's true. A lot of women have painful period and that's it. So painful period is a, it's a, you know, is a symptom of endometriosis. And as the pain grows, so the Sometimes, so a lot of people focus on, oh, the pain is different because it starts from a few days before your period. Not everybody, I think everybody is different. Endometriosis just means pain. The pain can be before the period, it can be during the period, it can be after the period. It can be pain during ovulation. It can be pain when you are going to the bathroom to wee. It can be pain, it can be bloody wee. It can be pain during... It can be pain when you're having, um, when you're moving your bowel, or it can be bowel issues. You start, suddenly start having diarrhea or constipation around your period. And then endometriosis can be found in different parts of the body as well. Some people will start having breathlessness when it's around their period because they have endometriosis in their lungs. Some people will have it in their brain. It means that every time they are having periods, they have this severe headache and different. So now it takes us to the next level because endometriosis causes a lot of inflammation. So somebody might have it. And the first time they are presenting is that, oh, doctor, I'm struggling to get pregnant because it has damaged a few structures inside their tummy. And it might be that, you know, um, so that is fertility. Now, there's another type of endometriosis that is peculiar. It seems to be common am among Black people. 
which is they have a lot of fluid in their tummy, something called ascites. Now, when I was in England, it wasn't as common, but when I came back to Nigeria, I've seen a lot of people with that. They have this massive fluid in their tummy and it's secondary to endometriosis as well. So it presents in different ways. And, you know, I think like you rightly said, um, yes, you can have the instrument to diagnose it, but looking at your case, even the thinking of it, you might, be in a, you might be in a developed place where they have all the instruments or the equipment, but if the doctor is not aware or is not very conversant with endometriosis, then there will be delay in diagnosis. And there's been a lot of research like that that shows that in endometriosis, there seems to be a constant delay in diagnosis. I, do, I hope I've answered that. Yes, definitely. That's really helpful. I love that you said endometriosis is almost synonymous to pain because it's just pain, you know, not just period pain, but pain, bowel movements, some people pain during bladder movements, pay, just pain. So, yes, yeah, I think... I, I think I, I forgot. I, yeah, I was going to remember one as well. Painful intercourse as well. You know, you're having, you're married and you're having sex and it's all painful. I mean, I saw a couple about, uh, I operated on a couple about a month ago and she is 40 and we're just diagnosing endometriosis. They've been married for about five years. Wow. And the husband said that every time she wants to have a period or they want to have sex, it just, it, she's a totally different person. And for the first time, for the first time after their surgery, she's had one period. And you can see that she said that it's totally different. Wow. So diagnosing is very important. You know, delay causes a lot of problems. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. So I will talk about um, how you, um, so I already know that you said you use um, laparoscopic surgery to diagnose, but I want to talk about treatment, that your treatment plans and how you deal with your endometriosis patients. But before then, I wanted to ask about the myths that are surrounding endometriosis. So many of us, when we go to the doctor for the first time, they could say, go and get pregnant, you know? Oh, like even before they diagnose endometriosis, they might say, try and get pregnant, it will go. The pain will go down. That's something even my grandma used to say to me that, you know, don't worry in Yoruba, by the way, don't worry. Once you're done, uh, once you get married and start giving birth, this will reduce or something like that. So that's one of the things they say. It, I understand why they would say that, but um, there are so many myths surrounding endometriosis. For example, Another example is um, hysterectomy will cure you, you know, things like that, or teenage girls or younger girls can't have it. So could you share with us some other myths that people are talking, like people say, or people talk about that we want to, you know, make sure that apart from spreading awareness about endometriosis, we're also letting them know that this is misinformation out there and they should stop saying it. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, you've mentioned the main one, you mentioned the main one, but let me go back a bit as well. So people can have period pain without having endometriosis because sometimes in people, if you've never had uh, children before, your womb wants to pass out a blood, blood from your period and it has to force it out. So that can be painful. But when the pain is intense and you know, some people, when they're in their period, they get admitted to hospitals and stuff like that. 
that's almost saying that go and look for something. You might have something totally different. So like you rightly said as well, when you have endometriosis, even when you get pregnant, the pain will still be there and it will come back. So endometriosis pain do not go with childbirth. You need to understand that. So there's no point. I mean, there might be some sense in that because fertility seems to reduce in endometriosis patients. So this, you know, the, if you have endometriosis of the ovary, sometimes it reduces the number of follicles there because of the inflammation and stuff like that. So in somebody that doesn't have endometriosis, the age in which they lose or they, you know, when they say biological clock, the age that they reach biological clock is about 40, 41. With endometriosis, it tends to reduce even further. So I think there's a, it's important that somebody that have endometriosis understand that so that they can make decision. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to have a child, but they can think about fertility preservation, maybe keeping their embryo eggs somewhere so that in a few years, if they meet a guy or whatever, they can go back and say, okay, can I have my ex back yeah. and stuff like that. So those are important things. Now, one of the major problem in Nigeria is that everybody is scared of surgery. Mm. So unlike where you are, that you can go to a uh, gynecologist and say, oh, I want to have, um, I have this pain. And the gynecologist say, okay, yes, you need a laparoscopy. I will put it on the waiting list. In Nigeria, the concept is slightly different. So you go to somewhere and you say you need surgery and you go and tell your family at home. I'm sure you understand what will come out of that. Ah, surgery, you know, no, yeah. no, 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 ah. And then they can dissuade you from having surgery for a long time mm. until the pains become severe or unbearable. And endometriosis is a progressive uh, condition. It starts with mild and then if it's not found or treated on time, it starts getting worse. So it's important that early diagnosis is, you know, early diagnosis is important mm. and then you can be managed properly. Yes. Um, hysterectomy does not cure endometriosis. Even removing the ovary sometimes does not cure it. I think it's important. It reduces it. It reduces the pain from it. But so that's why an endometriosis specialist is very important. So to make decisions, you've got to find out where the endometriosis is. So you're, if you're good, let's say you've completed your family, you're going to resect wherever the endometriosis is to have cure. So it might be your womb, it might be your ovary, it might be the bowel, it might be the peritoneum. All of it might need to be resected. But one of the things I tell people is that, so that we understand each other, endometriosis is a condition that you might have to live with you know, till you reach menopause. I think it's, so what you're looking, sometimes when people go into hospital, what they want is cure. Yes. Now it's important that somebody understand and put you through this and say, well, I might not be able to cure you with endometriosis, but I will be able to give you a good quality of life. That's what we need, uh, you know, a good quality of life so that you can live and then manage your condition so that you can complete your reproductive um, uh, intentions yes. and, and then, you know, live normally. So that's what I will say. Really. Okay. Amazing. So can we talk now about your treatment plans that you always offer, okay. like you do offer your patients? 
Okay, so I mean, I, I will go back to diagnosis, all right? So because diagnosis is important in the treatment plan. So the first thing is that when you see a patient comes in with symptoms, so you have to have the sensitivity. I mean, some people use questionnaires, endometriosis-related questionnaires, so that they can pick things that, for example, how's your bowel? How's your urination? How's sex? So that you have pointers and it has like points for you to pick people that have endometriosis. Now, from so your diagnosis might have started from highly suspicious of endometriosis by just speaking with somebody. So that is where awareness is very important to the doctor. So you already know that, okay, this person might have endometriosis. So the second part of it is scanning them. So when you scan people, so there are three main types of endometriosis, well, maybe four main types of endometriosis really. So you have the one called peritoneal endometriosis. That means it's just on the surface of the tummy. Inside the tummy, it just deposits on the tummy. Then you have ovarian endometrioma. That's a cyst on the ovary. So there's like a chocolate cyst on the ovary. Then you have something called deep infiltrating endometriosis. That means they have like chunks, uh, like nodule connecting or burrowed inside your bowel or burrowed inside anywhere in your body. And then you have the one that sometimes people will not classify as endometriosis, but it is as well, which is called adenomyosis, which is uh, endometriosis of the uterus, of the womb. So sometimes that is not, so you're focused on the others and you ignore the last one. And unfortunately, sometimes you might have one, two, three, and four. Sometimes you might have one and four. So it's important that the doctor looking after you think about thing entirely. Okay, so you scan. So sometimes endometriosis shows on scan and you can say for definite, this is endometriosis. When you have people like that, you, don't, you, you do not necessarily have to do surgery. If, for example, if a young woman comes to me and say, I have this pain, and then I scan them and I see endometriosis, we can see them and talk about options of treatment. So options of treatment might be just painkiller. Now, that is difficult because a lot of time when patient comes to you, they've exhausted painkillers. They've used paracetamol, diclofenac, non-steroid, they've used all that and it's not working. So it takes us back to definitive treatment, which can be hormonal or can be surgical, okay? Yes. So, now, in this part of the world, there's so many people that had the wrong surgery, which is open surgery. And then that causes, by the time you're seeing them, the doctor that did the open surgery did not even know they have endometriosis. So it's caused a lot of additions and scar tissue inside them. So treatment can be, so treatment is related to many things. So the things that are important in treatment are, how old is this person, one? Do they want to have children? Are they trying to conceive now? Or fertility is not an option for now. Are they having bowel issues? Or are they having heavy periods and things? So you, you take their symptoms and make a decision. And also, how old is this person? Is this person a young girl? How many surgeries have they done before? Have they done like five surgeries? 
before they are getting to you. Mm. I mean, if you, what is their fertility? I mean, for example, you're coming in contact with a young woman who's had like four surgeries where they're coming from. Also, who did the surgery? Is it a endometriosis expert that did the surgery or nobody else before you're offering care, okay? So some people will just need hormonal treatments, the pill, the oral contraceptive pills. So what I tend to do sometimes is that I do something called tricycling. So I give them the pill and there's no break in between the pill. So it means that instead of having a period every month, they might have a period every three months, which reduces the intensity of the pain and also the frequency of it, especially in women that don't want surgery. Now, there is another group that they might have used the pill and it doesn't work for them. You might want to consider other things like the um, depot injection or something called Mirena coil. If the main problem they have is painful period, so you might want to bring my Mirena coil into it because that reduces their period and also reduces the pain as well, especially even if they have adenomyosis as well. Now, you can have symptomatic relief by using a drug, which I'm sure that you might have heard about, called Lupron, Lupron or Zoladex. Or in the UK, sometimes they use a drug called Prostab. So these are injections. So the basis of endometriosis, endometriosis is related to estrogen. It's almost like the estrogen gives them power. Mm -hmm. So if you're giving, if somebody has a lot of estrogen or you deprive them of estrogen, the endometriosis might become less active and then the pain reduces. So you can use that. Now, if you've tried all that or there's a need for surgery, then you might be talking about laparoscopic surgery. Sometimes the challenge with laparoscopic surgery is that, um, and this is why it's important that experts treat endometriosis. Now, I remember when I was training in England, what we tend to do is that you will do something called diagnostic laparoscopy. You will diagnose the endometriosis and then you will talk to the patient and say, ah, madam, you have endometriosis, uh, come back in six, uh, six weeks or three weeks or, or three months, we will put you on the list for surgery. So it means that they might have two surgery for the same condition. So the, the concept of that is changing a bit, which means that the person that's doing the diagnosis should be talking to the patient about treatment at the same time. Mm. So you're using the diagnosis to treat. Now that has its own issue as well. And that is why it's important to have diagnosed it properly before you're going to that stage. Because you need to know what extent the surgery is going to. Are you just removing end endometriosis? Now, that takes us to another point, which is, now you, you would have read that there are different group of people there are people that burn endometriosis and people that excise endometriosis. Yes. Excision means that you're removing that area. A lot of people, or when you're not, and I can say that maybe when I was a lot younger, I was part of that group as well. You, they burn endometriosis out. But what happens is that you're just burning it on the surface. Mm -hmm. And the lower, the inner part of it is not being touched. So after burning it, a few months time, the woman start having... Um, symptoms again. So 
excision of endometriosis, excising all the area where endometriosis is, is the gold standard for treatment. Now, part of this consideration in treatment is the fertility of that patient as well. Like I said before, the most surgery or endometriosis is well, uh, from its endometriosis cause a reduction in your fertility, one by causing a lot of inflammation, damaging the tubes, reducing the quality of eggs you have. Mm. So by the time you're about to get pregnant, you're struggling. Now, you're already struggling because of that. And then you come to a doctor to treat your endometriosis. If the doctor is not careful, it can cause further damage by, um, if it's aggressive, it might remove some of your follicles and then make you a bit more infertile. So it's almost like a fine balance between treating your symptoms and also making sure that you can have children. And so those are the things that you consider. Sometimes you might need to do a joint surgery between yourself as a gynecologist and a bowel specialist as well, because if endometriosis affects your bowel, you might need to detach that part of your bowel mm. so that you are removing the nodule of endometriosis. So you might need a bowel expert to join the endometriosis together. Uh, the, once you remove that part of the bowel, to join the bowel back. So really, endometriosis should be managed from the multidisciplinary point of view. It's not only one person. You should have a specialist nurse a doctor, a gynecologist, a general surgeon, and somebody, a radiologist that is known or an expert in doing um, scans and MRI and stuff like that for endometriosis. Um, I don't know whether I've answered your question. Oh, but very that's, that's well. You've definitely answered the question in a very complete manner. So I wanted to ask something regarding something you mentioned, which is um, in terms of the treatment plans. I love that you said that. And that's one of the things I've been trying to say as well. I, as much as excision surgery, when you do surgery, excision has to be, you know, gold standard, not ablation. And it has to be done in a very interdisciplinary and uh, holistic manner. But in terms of, if we talk about the hormonal treatment, one of the treatments you mentioned, which was Lupron, is one treatment yeah. that seems to be a bit controversial. So I speak to doctors about this. I try not to shy away from it because I want there to be like understanding, I will say between, you know, the endometriosis patients who are very well informed and also the well, the doctors or the healthcare professionals who are skilled in yeah. the field. And Lupron is one, um, you know, drug the, or hormonal treatment that many people say have very devastating side long-term side effects so for example saying that they have like bone density loss or you know some kinds of some really strong side effects so i wanted us to talk about it just a little bit more to make sure that people are also aware so while these are the different treatments there are some you know things you should know about so that you go in with an informed you know in in an informed manner and you make that decision knowing exactly what you're getting into Okay, so let me give you, let me start from a story. So about the first surgery, actually, when I started South Shore, the first surgery I did is on a woman who has endometriosis. At that time, she was uh, younger, never started. She hasn't had a family yet. And she had, we found out that she has severe endometriosis. So thank God we did the surgery. And then she got pregnant. 
and then she had a baby. Now, about a year or two into that, she came back and the symptoms have come back. And when I scanned her, the endometriosis have come back and she's in a lot of pain. So she wanted to, so we had a chat. She's used every hormone that doesn't work. So we had a chat. She wasn't meant, she, I think she's the, she has a school, she has a private school. She's the headmistress. And at that time, she doesn't want to have another surgery. So I put her on Lupron or Zoladex, which is what they use here, Zoladex. Now, she was pain-free, but one of the things about Zoladex, like you rightly said, is bone mineral density. So you must not use Zoladex without adding add back HRT. So it means that, so the way I explain this is that you're giving, you're taking 10, so you're taking 10 estrogen from somebody because it's causing severe pain, mm. but you're giving them one or two back and one, that two can go and uh, cover their bone or where they need it. Okay. Now, um, I think it's about people making choices. Somebody might have had three or four surgery and they're not ready to have anything and nothing works for them. Hmm. So everything have a reason for you to use it, but you have to use it safely. And the person that you're using it for need to understand why you're using it and also the side effects of it. I mean, I've used Zoladex before where the woman came and said, I had psychological problem with this. Hmm. I was almost going insane. And then we had to take her off it and look for something else. There are other drugs as well. I mean, there's this new drug. Um, what's the name of this new drug that is purely for um, endometriosis? We, I think we were struggling to get it in Nigeria and it was quite expensive. Mm. Um, I don't know why I... I've tried to get it. Sorry? Is it Aurelisa? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, that, we were struggling. Be- it's a very expensive drug and we were struggling to get it. But those are things that can come on the table. Now... Remember that in your in your country, which is England, I'm sorry to say that, um, you might be able to get that because people don't pay for bill, pay for else. Mm. Over here, if you tell somebody that okay, um, Zoladex is thirty thousand, this drug is four hundred thousand, mm. both of them might have the same kind of role. What do we do? I'm sure you understand that. So, cost is a very important part of this. I mean. Yes. Using any medication, whether it's paracetamol, whether it's the pill, you should have had an informed decision, informed, a very informed discussion at the beginning, and then the person go on it. Now, the other thing is that if you leave, if people use Zoladex for a few months, maybe six months, maybe 12 months, mm. and then if you're, you can incorporate bone mineral density study into that, so that if there's any issue, you can pick it up a lot earlier. Mm. But it's an alternative. It works for some people. It doesn't work for some people. It's not the all cure. It's just, for me, I use it if I cannot do surgery for different reason, mm-hmm. or I use it sometimes before surgery so that it helps me reduce the inflammation that I will see by the time I'm going to do surgery. So it's not a one, it's not a cure drug, but it's a complementary drug. Mm. So, and you have to treat people totally differently as well. 
some people, I mean, I have somebody on it. I think she's had two surgery. Remember that by the time people come to us, sometimes they've gone through some processes. Most times it's an inadequate. They've gone through a process that is inadequate, but you're now in a position. One, they've spent a lot of money to do surgeries that has not helped them. You're in a position to either do another surgery or maybe give them time to um, recover from their financial positions. So the question is that while you're waiting, what do you do? So those are where Zoladex and Lupron and everything, but it's not like a drug that, oh, you have endometriosis, you have to go on it. It's a totally, you have to look at what is peculiar to this person that you're treating. Yes, wow, fantastic answer. <laughs> One yeah. of the uh, things you mentioned, which is so very important, is the fact that cost or cost of treatment, especially in a country like Nigeria, is a big barrier to you know treatment or a challenge when it comes to endometriosis. You also mentioned earlier that uh, things like people being afraid of surgery, or you know, there's that thing in, in Nigerians like ah, surgery, go for bidu, we don't want surgery, something like that. Are there any other challenges that you think or you know will are part of the issues or the problems? So that I think that if we talk about all these things, then we begin to talk about how to address each of these challenges. So. Are there any yeah. ones that you've thought of or you know of that? Okay, so so the first thing is the, the experience of the doctor as well. So I'm sure you are aware that in most part of the world, there are hospitals that are endometriosis center. Now, when I got to Nigeria, maybe one or maybe the, the, the doctors doing laparoscopy, maybe two or three. Wow. But now it's a lot more because people are getting a bit more aware. Now, you also need to understand that the skill to treat endometriosis is not something you can develop in a year or two. It has to be a skill. Either you have been, you've gone through a well-organized training mm. or you have been doing this for a long time, so you've developed yourself into doing it. Now, if a doctor started doing this procedure and started in a year, the kind of treatment or the kind of skill they'll be able to offer this lady is totally different from a very experienced person. One of the challenge in Nigeria as well is that sometimes doctors find it difficult to refer patients. Hmm. So I'm a private doctor. Mr. X is a private doctor. This woman needs this procedure. It might be that rather than I refer to this doctor that has the skill, I might want to do what I can do, which is not in the best interest of that patient. So that's a challenge here as well. Yeah. You know, the skill level of the people doing, you might say that, and that's why it's difficult. So you might get a patient who said, oh, I've done three laparoscopy surgery in X, Y, Z. But you, as a doctor, you know that, you know those people, and you know that they do not have the skill to do mm -hmm. extensive surgery. So what do you do with that? You want to either go back and do the surgery or tell them, uh, um, you know, these people have paid a lot of money to do their here. They might not even have the finances to do the procedure at your place anymore. So yeah, so those are the kind of challenges we get here. Wow. Now, laparoscopic equipment are quite expensive here as well. And if you go to a lot of the teaching hospitals, which are meant to be center of excellence and stuff like that. They don't even do laparoscopic surgery. 
not to the extent of, so all the patients that go there, where do they do their surgeries? So those are the those are the challenges peculiar to Nigeria, really. Wow. So for those that don't do laparoscopic surgeries, do they just do laparotomies? Like, they, do they just do open surgeries, or they just don't do surgery? What What is the uh, answer? I, 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 it's difficult for me to answer that because I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but those are the challenges, really. Okay. Thank you for that. So now that leads, I guess that uh, naturally leads to the next question. So we know that. You know, there's not a lot of skilled uh, endometriosis experts in Nigeria, and that's a problem because even in other parts of the world, like the UK, where they have you know quite a number of skilled surgeons, they still say this is not enough. Like I think in America, they were saying we have like hundred uh, excision specialists in the whole country, something like that. I'm not sure if I got that number right, but it was ridiculously small. Um, so that's definitely an issue, but. Would you say that there are at least some, you know, a group or a number of skilled surgeons that, or skilled experts that uh, endometriosis patients in Nigeria could go to, apart from you, so we know that you're an excision specialist, thank God, and there are others as well, probably in Nigeria, but I've noticed that um, there's this Facebook huge group on endometriosis called Nancy's Nuke. I don't know if you've heard of of that group, but it's called Nancy's Nuke. It's uh, it was created by a lady, a, an a pre, well, an endometriosis patient, and she's like, I think she's a retired nurse. Her name is Nancy Peterson, and she's she's been fighting for endometriosis. So she has this Facebook oh, yeah. educational group where people join, and there's a lot of information. And on there, she has a list of uh, excision specialists so that people know who to go to. So for example, what you said is so key that some, some doctors would just take the case and do it, even if they're not that skilled, which is quite dangerous, but I guess people do that. So that list is supposed to tell at least people based on your area, you know, or where you can go to that these are doctors that have been kind of patient, verified that this, you know, doctor was so good. He did excision surgery. He listened to me, blah, blah, blah. And then I looked for that on that list for Nigeria and there's hardly anyone on there. I don't remember seeing you on there, but I think you would know if you were on the on the list because no, she would reach no, out no, to no, you. No. So that's one of the things that I would love to change. Like even I, I can reach out to Peter to Nancy Peterson and say, you know, Doctor Juan Labi is a doctor in Nigeria. Like, what's the process of getting his name on the list? Something like that. So my question to you now is, are there others that people listening to this podcast right now can know, can, you know, probably go to apart from you, um, since you can do it for every Nigerian that has endometriosis? Yeah. So one of the things, so one of, so, okay. So like I said, when I came to Nigeria, there were not a lot of people doing laparoscopy. So we set up a group called the Association of, Gyne of Gynecological Endo Endoscopies of Nigeria, which is a group of people doing keyhole surgery. So I'm the vice president of that society, the National Society. And one of the things that we were hoping to be able to do is keep developing skills. Now, the difficulty with Nigeria is that you cannot verify skill because mm. they have not gone through a process of uh, training. A lot of people go to India to train for maybe a month or three months. and they, So I can't verify the skill. But mm. what I know is that there are some centers in Nigeria where 
people from England, specialists from England come to operate in those centers. Okay. I can give you a name for that. Okay. So for example, there's, there's a place in Nigeria called Nordica, Nordica Fertility Center. They have people, I know a couple of people from the UK that come there. Okay. There's a place in Abuja called Nisa Premier Hospital. Okay. So I know that they come from the UK as well. Now, locally, I don't really know the extent of the skill of the local people in relation to endometriosis. Okay. I think that's a fantastic yeah. dude, um, Nordica and Nisa. So it's good for people to at least know about them and maybe do their own research and figure yes, out. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, that's really yeah. helpful. Thank you so much for that. No problem. So let's yeah. find, uh, I had two more questions and then we're done today. Um, first of all, okay. you mentioned, um, and this is something I personally have experienced as well, ascites, which is a, a manifestation of endometriosis where there's lots of fluids, yeah. uh, you know, filling up in the tummy and all of that. So how, yeah. for some strange reason, it seems to be very common in black, especially nulliparous women. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know why, but do you have any? I think you mentioned that you've seen some quite a number of people there. Mm. So, what is the treatment process like for people that have ascites, and how does this affect yeah. things like fertility as well? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, so when I was training in England in two thousand, I think it was two thousand and six, maybe two thousand and seven, I came across a case report and I wrote it up. And is on the, you know, there's a case report that I wrote about ascites. So it's one of those things that a lot of doctors don't see in the UK. But when I came back to Nigeria, I started seeing a lot of it. So you see these people that over the years, they've been going to hospital for drainage of bloody fluid inside their tummy. Now, what happened is that people drain it, but because you cannot do laparoscopy, they don't confirm the diagnosis. Hmm. So the ones that we've done, what we've done is that we have used laparoscopy to drain their fluid. Sometimes you drain as much as 10 liters, 15 liters. Now, if you don't do anything, they will come back. So what we tend to do is we put them on going back to the Zoladex. So I put them on Zoladex for a period of time. Now, you can use the laparoscopy to assess their skill, their fertility as well. I mean, I know that there's, a, there's somebody that we treat. Now, some, one of the challenges in Nigeria is follow up as well. When people, when you treat people, sometimes they don't come back. But I remember there's a lady who we treated about three years ago and got pregnant because she has severe endometriosis. Immediately we treat, we drain it, we put on Zola, we just send her for IVF. And then she got pregnant and she's had her baby now. I think she's on the, if I remember, I think she's on the pill or the injection now. She's on one of those hormonal treatments. Okay. So I think, like I said before, with endometriosis, you have to think about fertility very early. Now, if I drain her fluid and leave her, um, the, the, the pill and all order are not very good at keeping ascites quiet. People still come out with ascites with it. There's a new drug called letrozole okay. that people feel that reduces the fluid production with endometriosis. I've spoken to a couple of colleagues that works in teaching hospitals where their patient cannot afford Zoladex and things and Lupron and stuff. 
So they used that. And they said that it works for people. Okay. So, but I don't have a lot of experience with that. Now, um, so by the time you're draining the fluid, you're assessing their fertility as well. You're looking at whether the endometriosis has, you're looking at the stage of endometriosis they have. You're looking at whether it has damaged their tubes. You're looking at something called the ovarian reserve, which is AMH. You want to see what level that, so that you use that. And then, I mean, if a young woman, in a young woman that has no partner, you cannot be telling them about fertility and go and have children. So you want to manage them until, and in situation like that, I use a lot of Zoladex and it helps. Okay. Now, in somebody that is married and is thinking about fertility, you probably want to drain the fluid and also um, maybe put them on uh, Zoladex and then get them into an, uh, a fertility cycle, treatment cycle, like IVF and things like that. So it depends on different people. Now, moving forward, if they have their children and their scientists is coming back, then you need to find something that's going to keep their ovary quiet because ascites in endometriosis is almost like an inflammatory response. Hmm. So it's totally, so an inflammatory response can be additions, scar tissue, but it can also be fluid. Now, what we haven't been able to find out is that why does it happen in this group of people like that? Nobody knows that. Maybe someday research will tell us. Maybe someday, maybe someday. <laughs> As we continue. And I'm, you know, I'm just thinking now that, hmm, why, why can't we research that? Why can't we look at why do this group of people yeah. have endo uh, fluid and stuff like that? Yeah. Maybe that's my PhD topic. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, who knows? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for that very succinct answer. So final yeah. question is, we talked about endometriosis obviously being a progressive condition. It's one that requires a multidisciplinary approach. And it's also one that kind of requires a holistic approach. So one of the things that I, in my personal experience, did that helped me even before I started, you know, treatment, actual treatment was doing things like really looking into my diet and what I'm eating, my nutrition, my stress levels. I did some um, sessions of pelvic therapy as well, because apparently with all the pain you're going through for so many years, your muscles become really tense and all of that, you know, drama when it comes to endo. So I try to do all of that holistic approach where I'm not just looking at, you know, the medical uh, aspect of it. I'm also looking at other nutritional lifestyle um, approaches. So would you say that that has, um, is something that you also talk about to your patients and do you find that maybe it helps a bit when they, there's almost like a monitoring of what their triggers are, what their symptoms are and using that as a way to manage their lives, their quality of life as well. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things about, so one of the things that I've realized is that although the research doesn't support it, is that fibroid and endometriosis, there are food that triggers the development of fibroid and hereby endometriosis as well. Now, one of the challenge we have here as well is that a lot of our patients have both conditions. Hmm. So they have fibroid and they have endometriosis. And I think it, it, it's most likely that there's a common pathway somewhere between them, but we this day. Now, estrogen is important in both groups, fibroid groups, endometriosis groups. 
And there's been a lot of studies looking at estrogenized food. Hmm. So food that are, and there are lots of them on the internet that shows these are food that when you eat, it has a lot of estrogen in it. I mean, so my own perception is that I think we eat a lot of starchy food here in Nigeria. We eat a lot of starchy food. We eat a lot of things like yam and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, if you think about it as well, I don't know. And this is just hypothesis. It's not proven. Remember that some part of Nigeria is well known for having twins because of the kind of food they eat in that group. Maybe, yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking that if we can look at our food and our diets and maybe tone all that down or remove it. Mm. I've seen a lot of people come to me and say, oh, doctor, when I started looking at my diet, my fibroid doesn't seem, I don't feel as much pressure as I used to feel anymore. So it seems as if, so yeah, I'm totally agree that the diet contributes somehow. My own theory as well is that, because I always think about why do we have so much extensive fibroid in this part of the world? Now, yeah. the fact that we might have a gene that makes us prone to it, but there must be an environmental factor. Exactly. That, that pushes that as well. So I think that diet is a very important component of all this. And it's something that we need to start talking about or addressing as well. I think so. All right. Thank you so much. So is there anything else uh, that you'd like to say to any Nigerian listening? People who, I know that there are lots of people that find, feel like it's a thing of shame and this is what i'm trying to yeah. say like you are not it's not your fault that you have this so no shame here no judgment here but is there anything else you'd like to say to anyone who probably has endometriosis as a diagnosis already or has symptoms that make them think they might have it what kind of, what would you like to say to them well i think the first thing is that endometriosis is a very um it's one of those medical conditions that is an enigma you know, once, if you have it, you have to find a way to deal with it. Now, what I also need to under tell people is that when you go to a doctor, um, you have to understand that the doctor may not be able to cure you. I think that's very important so that, because a lot of people go through all this process and get extremely disappointed. I know it's disappointing, yeah. but that discussion must be from the beginning that I might not be able to cure you. I might be able to give you a better quality of life though, because this might be a life, it might just be that we need to manage it until you complete your family, until X, until then. And management might be different at different stages of your life. Now, it's also important that when you want to have treatment, if you're somebody that wants to get pregnant, you should talk about that with your doctor. It's very important that you do that. And it's very important that you meet a doctor that is very knowledgeable at what they do. That is very important. Um, and if you get a first opinion, I think you should also try to get a second opinion as well. Now, the challenge for me with second opinion in Nigeria is that you might come to a doctor who does a lot of laparoscopic excision. But the question is that when you leave that doctor and you want to go for a second opinion, where do you go? That's the challenge. Yeah. Here. Because it's not like for like. If you go yeah. to somebody who doesn't do laparoscopy, it's not, you know, that's a, it's a yeah. waste of time because they're going to tell you completely opposite of what I told you. Mm. So my take on it is that please join a support group 
speak with people that have gone through this journey before, understand your condition properly, understand how it affects you, plan your life as well. You know, yeah, you can, um, you don't have to go and get pregnant immediately, but think about it. What's, where am I? Because it would be a shame for you to say that, to see a doc, you want to get pregnant, you want to have children of your own. And then you see your doctor, you were diagnosed with endometriosis at 29. And at 36, a doctor is telling you that unfortunately you don't have good quality eggs again. Meanwhile, at 29, 30, 31, you could have saved your eggs and stuff. So those are discussions that you need to be having hmm. with your uh, doctors. That's what I mean. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Alavi. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. In all parts of the world, approximately 1 in 10 women has endometriosis and the average years it takes for diagnosis is 7 to 10 years. Each country, based on their healthcare system, their culture, their advancements and so many more factors, could have longer diagnosis and treatment times. It has been great to understand how the culture, the system, and even the skills of the physicians in Nigeria play a big role in treatment and diagnosis. As we continue to fight to raise awareness about endometriosis, we will continue to shine light on not only the Western world, but all parts of the world. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to know. Join me on Instagram and Facebook. You can also join our community on Health Unlocked and ask any questions or share your stories. Don't forget to share, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. If you also have any questions to ask or topics you would like me to discuss, feel free to shoot me an email on info at notdefinedbyendo.com. I love to hear from you all. Till next time, remember, you are not defined by endo.